about 1,500 brands on site, you know, 20 million visits a month, 5 million app downloads. So, you know, we're dealing with scale, big sort of sets of eyeballs and, and traffic. So what is your strategic plan? Where do you want to get to? What's going to give you some fast return, generate some cash to then allow you to keep investing in other things? How am I going to relate to these people? Like they're from a different world. They're the coolest dresses in the building. I'm like, oh, I am just out of my depth. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Add to Cart for 2023. I hope you all had such a fantastic, relaxing, rejuvenating break away from e-commerce and ready for a big year that's coming up. I've got no doubt that it's going to be a very different year, but a big, exciting year nonetheless. And here at Add to Cart, we are just so pumped to get into the year. We have started with a top-notch guest, our most requested guest of all time, and a retailer that is held up as the benchmark in e-commerce in Australia. Joining me today is Erica Birchtold, the CEO of The Iconic. Now, I'm lucky enough to know Erica through a past life when I was at Super Retail Group, and Erica was the MD of Rebel. We talk about some of the stories from that time in this podcast, including our trip overseas to the Google campus, amongst other things. But Erica is just such a brilliant operator, a team leader, and a visionary in this space. So it was great to talk about what she's been up to at The Iconic since then. Now, for those who don't know The Iconic, they are Australia's very own fashion powerhouse, committed to customer and at the forefront of technology and innovation. You'll hear a lot about that today and their approach to how tech powers that customer experience. They dispatch from a 28,000 square metre fulfilment centre in Sydney with almost a 1,000 staff, and they continue to redefine the future of retail in Australia and New Zealand. Erica joined The Iconic as CEO in 2019, and in this chat, she shares the secrets to an eight-minute fulfilment window from order place to ready to ship in eight minutes. Most retailers could only dream of that. Erica also shares the achievements she's most proud of and the strategy tips that have taken the iconic all the way to the top. Could there be a better way to start 2023 than the benchmark in e-commerce? Erica has also given Add to Cart listeners an exclusive discount code, which you'll hear about at the end of the chat. So let's get right into it. We've got a lot to get through in 2023. So let's kick it off on a high. There's nothing like setting yourself a big benchmark for the year. Thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Paclio. Here's our conversation with Erica Birchtold, CEO of The Iconic. Erica, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you, Nathan, for having me. Oh, pleasure. You are by far, by far, our most requested guest. Oh, I don't know. You know, I think the iconic, we just punch above our weight in terms of just attention and cool factor. Like I know it's nothing about me. It's just everyone loves to learn about the iconic and what's it like behind the screen, so to speak. So I think there's a little bit about you too. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Um, It's actually funny because we've just done our accelerator. So we've got a 10-week course to upskill people in e-commerce. And we had three people study the iconic from the outside. One of them on the most recent one got three or four weeks in, 
studying what you're doing on site and went, actually, no, I'm going to switch retailer because I actually can't find anything to improve. Oh, well, that's very lovely of them. But I assure you there is much that we could improve. I think, you know, sometimes are we lucky or is it just, I, I don't know, I'm lucky that there's not another big like-for-like sort of competitor that we have here. So in a way that's good, yeah. but then in another way it's not because how do you keep pushing yourself further if you don't have someone nipping at your heels right here in Australia. So, you know, we have to look abroad a little bit to try and try and keep, you know, focusing on improvements. But I assure you there is much that we could do to, to you know, improve things. So, Who do you look to? Oh, geez, there's no, like, as I said, like there's no one particular mm. business. Like I look at all sorts of things. So I might look at grocery delivery times and what they're doing there because, you know, Woolies and Coles, they're not direct competitors of ours from a product but they're setting the expectation in consumers' minds around what sort of flexibility you should have with delivery and and things like that. So I'd look at them from that perspective. I'd look at, I don't know, some of the brick and mortar guys like from a assortment perspective. I'd look at other overseas retailers. Like there's a big overseas retailer called Zalando, like based from Germany that operates in a lot of European markets. They'd be someone that I would look to to just see what they've done before. We've got sister brands, like there's one in South America called Tafiti, one in Southeast Asia called Zalora. So I have a bit of a look at what, and we share a lot of learnings with each other. Actually, we had a a Russian business as well that uh, the group has sold. They were doing a lot of cool stuff as well. Yeah. So take bits and pieces from everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of you've got to build your own adventure uh, in this space here in Australia. (laughs) And when you're building that adventure, I could imagine that you're seeing things from all over the world and seeing all the things you could be doing. Mm. How do you determine, as CEO of The Iconic, how do you determine what you explore and what you leave behind? Because you can't do everything, right? No, you can't. You can't. And actually, we have this conversation a lot saying, well, we need to stop trying to do so much because you can really run down some rabbit holes and spend a lot of money and waste a lot of time and, and people's time and, and resources um, chasing stuff that doesn't give you a benefit. I guess you've got to bring it back to your strategy. So we have a strategy and that strategy has three pillars in it. There's assortment, there's the user experience, and then there's the platform business. So everything we do has to be delivering our strategic goals and our strategic plan. And then we have some principles that we live by and how we do things. And one of our principles actually that we added last year was style and all we do. And what that actually helps us do is figure out what we'll do and also what we won't do. So, you know, the categories we get into. So we're not going to get into white goods because there's nothing stylish about white goods, right? But we will get into beauty because that's quite stylish at part of your, your whole look. So, you know, I've really worked quite hard over the last couple of years in particular to take a more enterprise-wide look and, and to get my executive team to take a more enterprise-wide view of the business rather than just their particular silo so that we're prioritizing things across the whole business, not just, oh, well, here's the cap management priorities, oh, here's the tech priorities, here's the finance priorities. So, yeah, so we do a lot of work to really come together and collaborate and, and yeah, and then stay true to our strategy. Yeah. And on the UX side, particularly, like you guys seem to just hit that out of the park, you know, constantly known for your free shipping, the speedy mm. delivery, prompt customer service returns, feels yeah. like you nail all the basics, but also take it up a level. How do you balance all that and deliver that really awesome customer experience, mm. but stay profitable? Yeah. Well, I mean, the business wasn't profitable when I started. So, 
a few things. A, you've got to back the right horses, right? So what is your strategic plan? Where do you want to get to? What's going to give you some fast return, generate some cash to then allow you to keep investing in other things? But reality for a business like ours is you need volume to cover your fixed costs, right? So we've got a big fulfillment centre out in Yonora. Yes, there's variable costs, i.e. some wages that you could flex up and down depending on, you know, is it Black Friday or Black November as I'm calling it? <laughs> um, and so you need extra people out there. And But reality is whether you're doing one order or 100 orders, there's some costs out there that are just fixed. And so you need to get your volumes up so that you can cover those fixed costs and then, you know, you can find that a little bit easier to breathe, I guess. So we are doing a lot of work to have a look at, say, delivery. You know, I, I'm starting to question, well, does everybody want it in three hours still or do they just want to know when it's coming? I mean, I know myself as a customer of the Iconic, often I will pick a three-hour delivery window because I know definitely where I'm going to be in the next three hours, but I don't want to roll the dice and have the Iconic tell me, oh, well, it'll get there sometime on Thursday. Like I might only be home for two hours on Thursday or, you know, so, and that's where I say like the grocery guys really help set an expectation of I want this two-hour window. So, you know, we'll have a look at things like that from a, a customer value proposition, like what do we need to keep doing in that sort of delivery space and that operational space and then from a um, promotional space, when do they want promos, when don't they, where do they just want premium sort of offerings and that varies by customer as well. You know, I'm hoping next year will be a bit of a reset in this marketplace. Um, you know, everyone's expecting consumer sentiment to drop a bit. And on the back of that, I think you'll start to see retailers probably manage their inventory a lot more tightly. I know we certainly want mm. to do that, which then means if you don't have as much excess stock then you probably don't need to discount and promote so much. I mean, that's the idea anyway. Like we'll see how that goes. But, you know, I am wondering with with perhaps a, a lower volume, will that actually allow a lot of retailers in the industry to actually reset customer expectations around promotional sort of mix? So Yeah. And you mentioned those those shipping expectations. Have you noticed anything in 2022 that changed dramatically around customer expectations? Anything that's caught you by surprise? No, not not really. Mm. We've gone back to some more traditional peaks of traffic and stuff. So, you know, during COVID when people were working from home a lot more, all of a sudden that 7am to 9am online traffic pool like just kind of dropped off because people weren't commuting to work anymore. They were probably getting their kids set up for home learning and stuff at home. Whereas then the lunch break was a lot more um, traffic than what we might normally have found. So, but that has kind of returned to normal. From a, a fulfillment perspective, I think our, our days are pretty much what they always have been. Um, yeah. People are definitely waiting for those big sales, though, and they're tapping into those a lot more. But like Black Friday was enormous for us. Mm. Yeah, no, like not, not huge, huge swings. Ever scrolled through an e-commerce packaging website for fun? Nah, me neither. Until today. Paclio is putting the joy into the packaging game. So let's play a game. I'll tell you the name of the Paclio product and you have to try and guess what kind of product they are. Fairy Floss. Compostable Mailer. Queen Bee. Honeycomb Padded Mailer. Here we go. Gummy Shark. Water Activated Tape. Now, if my jaded self thinks that this packaging is fun, imagine what your customers will think. Paclio is also eco-friendly, Australian-owned and operated with same-day dispatch and 14-day returns. 
Now that's pure joy for everyone. Check out the Paclio range of e-commerce packaging options at paclio.com. That's Paclio, P-A-C-K-L-E-O, paclio.com. Are you of the belief that 2023 will be softer or potentially just hype? I think it will be softer. I think, like, look, this time last year, a lot of us were still in lockdown or just coming out of lockdown. I mean, I remember having so many friends that had booked holidays to Queensland, right, and actually couldn't get there for their holiday because they couldn't get a PCR test in time. Mm. But at this time last year, the world was very different. So right now we're seeing people actually just enjoy getting out and about and having Christmas. Actually, that is one thing that's changed, what they're buying. So people are really embracing a lot more colour and, like, you know, crazy party dresses and stuff like that. So everyone's living it up a little bit now. Yeah. But there's going to come a point where reality is going to hit and if interest rates still keep going up for people with mortgages, that's going to start to hurt. Even people paying rent, if that person that owns that apartment they're renting suddenly has to pay a higher mortgage, rent is going to have to go up, cost of living, like just bills and and how much stuff costs. So I think there's going to be a a kind of come to Jesus moment of like, whoa, stuff is Mm. like feeling hard. And yeah, I think it will soften next year. And this is our first episode for 2023. Probably a a sober sober way to start. Let's see how accurate I am then. Hey, here I am in December uh, talking to you about 2023. So, yeah. Oh, good. Now, as CEO of the Iconic, obviously a huge organization, big team, huge responsibility. How do you personally stay connected to the customer? Because I know Mm -hmm. that's something you're really passionate about. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I used to love a shop floor. When I worked in bricks and mortar, I used to love just going out, talking to customers and talking to the team in store and just hearing what was happening. So I've had to find my own way of being able to replicate that sort of experience for myself here in this business. So I'll sit in and listen to, um, you know, customer service calls just to hear how they're having to, you know, pacify or satisfy our customers I will pack orders at the FC. So last week I was out there packing. I, I would love to point out that actually I beat our CFO in terms of picking per hour. <laughs> so I did 67. He did like 30-something, I think. So uh, anyway. Smashed it. Yeah. I, well, you know what? The people out there, though, actually could pick 90, 90 <laughs> orders per hour. So I was nowhere near them. But I will go out there and pack orders. And it's funny. You can start to see. So I'm like, wow, why do like. Literally all these people in Queensland bought knitwear last week. Oh. Yeah. Like, and so we ran the data because I was like, I came back to the office and said, hey, I noticed we were selling a lot of knitwear, which I thought was crazy because it's so hot at the moment. And they came back and said, yeah, Queensland actually over-indexed in knitwear. I don't know why. I, I, they're just investing for the season ahead because it was cheap or I don't know. Bunch but, of weirdos. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> but, but you can you can start to see some little trends. You know, NPS surveys. So I yeah. read every single customer comment that comes through in an NPS survey. Um, that's how I could try and hear what they're saying. There must be hundreds. Yeah, yeah. 
But I love it. Like, and I always, there's some customers that just make me laugh so much. Like there's some that make me cry because I'm like, oh my God, we stuffed up so badly. But then there's some that just make me laugh. Like just like the comments they're making about the items that they've bought or, or the sort of models that we use or, or what have yeah. you. Um, so I do love to give a random gift voucher to, you know, some people just with a little note from myself saying, Hey, you made me laugh with your comment. I really do read this stuff. Here's 50 bucks. So yeah. So a little tip for everyone out there if you're doing an MP. Yes, for the iconic. <laughs> yes. Keep it entertaining. I will, yeah, if you entertain me and make me laugh, you will probably get a gift voucher. So, <laughs> um, and also I just shop myself. Like I, yeah. I'm, you know, we've got a big app focus at the moment, like to try and drive app usage, but also to try and drive improvement of our app features and functionality. So we're actually going to look at shifting our entire staff discount mechanism to app only wow. because if I actually get all the team using the app, we're going to get all the feedback on what's working and what's not. So, um, and what we could do to improve it. So yeah, there's lots of, you know, we, we ourselves can experience the, the customer experience and feed that back into the business too. So. So important. On the app side, obviously mm-hmm. we've seen um, – it's been big for a fair while, but people like yeah. LSKD really pushing incentives to go via the app, yourself yeah. having the app. What is, from a strategic point of view, what's the main purpose of the app or driving customers towards an app rather than a website? Yeah. I think it can give them a better experience and then the data shows that our app customers are stickier, like they're more loyal, they spend more, they come back more frequently, I think because the experience is better. And then it allows you to have – um, a one-on-one engagement with that customer and personalization is so much easier. And then ideally, I would love to be able to spend less on paid performance marketing and actually just give a really personal experience on the app. Mm. And, you know, so the more people we can get onto the app, the better then. Yeah. And the paid performance marketing pain point for many people in 2022, especially the rising costs. Mm. What kind of channels are you seeing uh, still hitting targets for you? And are there any that you've ditched or or kind of really scaled down? I don't think we've ditched anything, but I mean, look, we literally are monitoring our marketing spend on an hourly basis. Like, so the team are just constantly looking at the data and just saying, should we dial something up? Affiliate programs, paid performance, brand marketing, et cetera. And then we're doing different things with the marketing that we do. So we might use influencers more than models or stuff like that. So like, so there's nothing that we would have killed entirely, but we do monitor everything and just we're constantly recalibrating um, how we're spending. I do think TikTok is something that we've started using a lot more. Yep. And we had our um, runway a few weeks ago and we worked with TikTok actually to bring to life like some of that runway. People were actually watching that for 11 minutes. Now, TikTok average time for a live is about 50 seconds. So the fact that we were getting people staying on there for 11 minutes was pretty huge. Um, so it comes down to then also not just the channel you're using, but the content that you're serving people on that channel to make sure we're getting the right sort of metrics. Yeah, it's just about the content that you have and then just recalibrating constantly. Are you on TikTok yourself? Oh, look, I do have a TikTok <laughs> account, but, you know, I don't have so a Oh, yeah, I am because I can end up just going down this route. Like before I know it, I've spent 32 minutes watching kittens chase, you know, cotton wool balls or, you know, something like that. And it's like, oh, my God, look, that was just such a Sabbath time. Like you just end up watching this random sort of stuff. It's like reels on um, Instagram. Like I just, I don't know why they keep serving me up all of the friends sort of highlights or whatever. Like, And I love that TV show. And then before, you know, I've lost five minutes of my life watching all of that. And I'm like, no, stop, stop. Get me out. Yeah. 
And I love some of the experimentation. You mentioned the TikTok experimentation, but you've also, you know, pushed the boundaries of tech. And I know platform is one of your key initiatives and you've done things around avatars, NFTs, metaverse. Mm. Yeah. What's driving your push into these spaces and and, and why are you so excited about this? Well, we're, as a business, we are equal parts tech company as we are retail company. And we're 11 years old, so we're kind of now an old startup but a young retailer. There's not many people in that sort of space. So we need to make sure we, we can kind of keep and retain the stuff that made us a cool startup, techie, sort of innovative, entrepreneurial sort of company at the cutting edge, but then also bring in some of the more mature, stable processes and things, um, you know, that a, a business our size now requires. But, you know, things like NFTs and metaverse, I mean, we we jumped into that a little bit because we could. And I think customers, like, I would have hated for David Jones or Myers to do something before us. Like, like that's our vibe, right? Like, it's <laughs> our vibe to, like, try that sort of stuff. It doesn't have to be big or commercial right now, but let's take the customer on the journey of what that could be about. But we've also got, like, a lot of existing tech as well that is still actually quite advanced here in Australia and I think we can continue to develop further. So it might be follow the brand, you know, on the app or snap to shop. So I could take a picture of something you're wearing, upload it to the app, and it will offer some suggestions of, of similar items. Wish lists and wish list boards. Like there's a lot of stuff we do there that I don't think we tell customers enough about those sort of features mm-hmm. that we have. And I think we could tweak them a little bit uh, as well. So I have a, a personal hotline straight into our head of product. And, you know, I said to him one day, I said, Jeff, who might I talk to uh, just if I've got some ideas or feedback or some of that? And he's like, just please, just call me, right? Don't contact anyone else. Just call. I'm like, excellent. Thank you, Jeff. So, <laughs> he didn't tell you to, like, put in a Trello board or raise a ticket no, or something. No, no, I don't have to do that. That's one <laughs> of the luxuries of being the CEO that I get to just go direct to stores. <laughs> Amazing. And so you build everything yourself uh, rather yeah. than partner? Yeah, we have today. Yeah. Now, I don't know that we'll do that forever. I mean, I think 11 years ago when we were starting, if you took an off-the-shelf sort of platform or whole piece of software, I think it came with some limitations and you were compromising on too much. So we did build a lot of our own. Now, I'm not against copying with pride, like from our sister regions or, or looking at some off-the-shelf stuff, but it, we've got to be able to have the flexibility that we need to keep, you know, being at the forefront of, of online. So that makes a lot of sense. I could imagine that that would take a bit to uh, manage, especially as you're opening up new channels yeah. across the app, the website, yeah. the NFTs, the whole lot, right? I mean, when I started here, that was the area that actually terrified me the most. I'd never, I mean, Nathan, you worked at Super Retail mm. Group with me. I don't think we even had a job title in that tech team called product, right? Like it just wasn't a function that existed in that sort of old sort of world. So coming into this business and suddenly having a a team of engineers and product people, like, you know, I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Like how how am I going to relate to these people? Like they're from a different world. They're just these cool, they're the coolest dresses in the building. They've always got the funkiest sneakers and the funkiest outfits. And I'm like, oh, I am just out of my depth. But then when I actually sat down and started talking to them, we were really all talking the same thing, like about solving customer pain points or improving their experience. They just had a different sort of language that they used to describe that. But once we actually found out a way of like mm. understanding each other, I, I realized I didn't have anything to be so scared of. So. Yeah. 
And how are you feeling about with, with such a reliance on engineers and developers? How are you feeling about the depth of talent in Australia at the moment? Oh, look, I, I think the depth of talent is pretty hard actually in that space. You know, I do a lot of work with the Tech Council of Australia and also federal government as well, Ed Husic. And, you know, we have a lot of conversations on how we can try and increase the sort of tech skills here in Australia. COVID didn't help and all of the mm. border closures and, you know, there's low unemployment figures in, in tech and high demand for tech professionals. But the, the reality is that we can't fill enough of the role. We haven't invested in Australian technology skills enough over the years. We can't now fill all of the roles that we need to. And then if you do, if you can find someone that's got the skills that you need, the salaries are so huge because, you know, and so this is some of the conversation I have with the Tech Council where, you know, I said, can we not create like an industry internship, right? Because Hmm. us, Canva, Atlassian, Facebook, Google are all kind of stealing each other's stuff and it just drives wages. It's hugely disruptive to your business, hugely expensive, driving salaries up, which I guess is great for those tech people, but it's not sustainable here for a business. And for people to feel like they've got to leave to go and get that experience elsewhere, I don't think is a great thing. So I would love to be able to say to one of like to Canva, Let's do a job swap of some people. I'll send you someone for six months. You send me someone. And at the end of that, they go back to their jobs. They've got the insight, like they've gone to learn something new without actually having to leave, without the company having that whole disruption. We got a one-for-one swap. So, yeah, I, I would love to see a little bit more of that, you know, kind of camaraderie or something yeah. amongst the, the tech companies. Especially in non-competing industries. Yeah. Yeah. Have you put it forward? I have. I, I have spoken at length to the Tech Council about this. So yeah. in 2023, that'll be something that I really try and get across the, the line. I love it. You mentioned uh, that we work together at Super Retail Group and um, I was looking back actually on some of the photos and in uh, 2016 when we went to the Googleplex oh, together. That was so funny, that trip, wasn't it? Um, remember the Google like what did they call it, campus or something, I yeah. think. And there was like a swimming pool there that That's was like right. you could just, like, I don't know what they call those pools, but basically instead of swimming laps in a 50-metre pool, you're swimming against like a current. So yes. it's like you're swimming laps, but it's like a five-by-five-metre pool or something. Like yeah. It's like wowzers, like this is like whole next level. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. And it was like another world. It was like, yeah, we kept calling it the uni campus where people just live. Um, yeah. It didn't feel like a workplace at all. Yeah, no, it really didn't. Really didn't. Um, I remember one of the one of the innovation talks we went to, they were introducing uh, meatless meat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it was right at the start of that and everyone's yeah. like, oh, this is going to be massive. You're going to see it in your supermarket soon. And we're like, yeah. wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. here we and are. And then sure enough, there yeah. we are now, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned their salaries, especially for your tech team mm-hmm. is, is key. But what have you noticed around way of work? Obviously, that's changed a lot during COVID. What does the workplace look like at the Iconic and how do you – create a way of working that really keeps the team together and and productive? Yeah, look, we've always been a pretty flexible sort of business. Like we've never been a business that says you have to be here Monday to Friday, you know, nine to five. And being an online and a digital, I mean, we're digitally native, right? Like we're, we're online. It wasn't hard for us to pivot to working from home or working remotely. However, I think during COVID, 
we made it work because we had all been together so much and had a really fun social sort of bit. So we had like this social capital that we banked that got us through. But I did notice that start to dry up a little bit by the end. And this year we've really focused a lot more on coming back together because, you know, we also have a very young sort of team really, relatively speaking, like average age is about 30 or so of the company. So, you know, we've got people that love to socially connect. What I'm focused more on, like rather than saying, oh, you have to be here X amount of days a week, it's more about what is the work that we're doing. So I don't want people to come in here just to sit there by themselves doing emails for three hours. (laughs) But if there's meetings that are cross-departmental where we need to make decisions, that usually is better in person and would be good to have in person and to just really have good discussions and, and have everyone engaged in that conversation. And then, you know, like I, I was looking at some of the data recently, like the biggest days in the office are Thursdays because, look, I like to remind everyone it wasn't that long ago that I was young. I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of the fact that Thursday is the new Friday so when we used to do a Friday afternoon stand up and have a few drinks, I knew I had Barclays of getting people in on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. So Thursday afternoons we do drinks and a bit of a company-wide catch-up and stand up. So, yeah, Thursdays are huge here in the office because everyone just loves a free drink. But yeah. they also know everyone's going to be here and, that, you know, we can have a bit of fun. So, yeah, so, you know, I don't know where it's going to land. I, I think probably if I had to strive for something, I'd want people in two to three days a week, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean a whole day. Like some people need to drop kids off at school or pick kids up or whatever. So, you know, that's cool. So kind of maybe the equivalent of two or three days a week in the office yeah. together. But, you know, I'm pretty flexible with it. I like that. I like even yeah. the candidates that we speak to regularly. I think there's an assumption out there that if you're young, you just want to work at home or work remotely. Yeah. But we're not finding that's the case at all. Most no. want fit-for-purpose work yeah. essentially. yeah. Yeah. I like that approach of the project yeah. base. What does the project need right now? Yeah, correct. Yeah, great. Now, I want to go back to your uh, fulfillment efforts, 67, mm. 67 per minute, but I also mm. read that um, you're dispatching in eight minutes. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, from the time a customer places an order for it to be picked, packed in a satchel on the back dock waiting to be picked up is eight minutes. And that's, like, I mean, that's really important when, you know, you're offering three-hour delivery because, us doing that in eight minutes gives the courier two hours and 52 minutes to get it to the other side of Tiffany or, to, you know, to get it on the next, you know, Australia Post truck or, or what have you. So, yeah, so we do pride ourselves in being quick like that. Yeah. I mean, most retailers are aiming to get under 24 hours, right? So eight <laughs> yeah. minutes is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty fast. And, you know, we do that through a mix of you know, like automation where you can and then, yeah, just trial and error and, you know, just experience people like and, and just the technology that we use, like the systems that we have. Twenty twenty three might be the year that you have to unravel everything that you know about loyalty. New global research from Shopify showed that Australian customers are highly likely to switch brands in order to save money. And here we were thinking loyalty points will keep us together forever. While the battle for customers' hearts will be driven by pricing in 2023, they will not sacrifice customer service in the process. 2023 might be back to basic retail, but it doesn't mean that the opportunity is any less. 
treat them lean and keep them keen, I say. To view more resources to help with your 2023 planning and see how Shopify can take your e-commerce business to the next level, visit shopify.com forward slash au today. A lot of that technology is custom built, obviously, so yeah. then it becomes hard for your competitors to, to compete yeah, with you on. Yeah, pretty much. Is it all out of one location? Well, we ha- only have one fulfillment centre, yeah. so that's based in Eunora, yeah. but that's probably about 70% of our orders. 30, 30, 40% of our orders would be marketplace, so going directly from, from a supplier to the customer. Uh, and we will look at kind of a connected retail offering, like some of those brands have got physical stores, you know, we should be using that network as well to fulfill customer. You know, in Perth, someone orders a Country Road T-shirt from us in Perth, then instead of Country Road fulfilling that from their Melbourne warehouse or us fulfilling it from our Sydney warehouse, why don't we just tap into their store stock in their Perth stores? And actually, and that'll be far quicker, much better environmental footprint on the back of that order as well. And how do retailers feel? And obviously, we know specific examples. Mm. How do retailers feel about partnering with you in that kind of omni-channel sense where you might be taking yeah. some of that, that clip away? Yeah. Look, they're, they're happy about it because we're bringing an incremental customer to them. So some of those big brands, like the data they give us is that 70 80% of the orders they're getting from us are just entirely new customers altogether. So, you know, we're not just taking, you know, we're not just shifting the the mix. You know, we spoke at the beginning of this as well about trying to manage your inventory more tightly. I mean, I think ultimately that's a good thing for the environment and just financially for everybody as well. Instead of both of us having to stock that inventory, try and tap into one pool and, and you know, it's all just about fulfilling the customer order. Who cares whether the customer order was, you know, placed directly with us or directly with them. Let's just get that product to the customer. Love it. Love it. And on the inventory management, how many SKUs have you got now? Oh, geez. We'd have, I think, about 200,000 SKUs uh, on site at the moment. That's and we have a Yeah, we have about 500 new arrivals every day, about 1,500 brands on site, you know, 20 million visits a month, 5 million app downloads. So, you know, we're dealing with scale now, like, you know, big sort of sets of eyeballs and, and traffic. Yeah. And you don't half ass it. So like even yeah. all those products, they've got, you know, the leading the industry in terms of descriptions, photos, yeah. videos, the whole lot. How do you, how do you put the processes in place with the team to make sure that those products with such a huge volume mm-hmm. coming in and being refreshed? How do you make sure that all stays up to date? Yeah, look, we do most of it. We do try and get suppliers to, like, we're trying to upskill the suppliers and teach them how to actually write those descriptions and provide images as well. But from a data perspective, it's funny, our CTO and our head of data, um, they have this phrase that they call data democratization, right? Which means, oh, everybody's got access to data. I say, is that just a polite way of saying to people, rack off and run the report yourself <laughs> rather than getting us to do it? And it actually kind of is because what we're trying to do is build data sets and data skills in all of the teams throughout the whole business that everybody is very data literate themselves we're not having to rely on this one centralized data team to be able to do all of this stuff for us is actually getting everybody to be able to do it. So, yeah. So I think, you know, upskilling people, bringing the awareness, training, getting suppliers trained as well, you know, is, is, you know, all of that, that leads to it. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. You mentioned that a few times about collaboration across teams. Yeah. And we just had Michaela Wessels from Style Arcade yeah. on. And exactly your point around, let's just not make this heavy. Let's make it so everyone can get in and look at the merchandise. Let's look at the yeah. product. Let's get in there together. This isn't a merchie's job yeah. to go and look after that. We're yeah, all in yeah. it. Yeah, correct. So taking a step back and then looking at, at the bigger picture, um, you've obviously had an amazing career so far and I was lucky enough to work with you. How do you stay inspired and, and motivated? I'm just naturally such a curious sort of person. Like I love, I love retail and I just always looking for what next or what are customers thinking now or so I, I guess I'm pretty self-motivated to just keep looking for the next big thing or it's just, I don't know, how I'm kind of programmed, I guess. And and I'm really lucky. I get to talk to lots of interesting people. Like I'm naturally a converser, as you would know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I just love to chat to people and inspiration comes from just sometimes the most random places. So Yeah. And what are you most proud of in your career so far? Oh, uh, I think, I think, that I, I don't think, I believe, not having to make a, an either-or choice between family or career, that I actually was able to do both. You know, I have three young children. I have an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. We're on the thick of it. Yeah, right in the thick of it. And some people have these sayings that, like, and they only target these sayings towards women where they say, oh, women can have it all, just not at once. And I'm like, oh, that is such BS. Like, you know, who does have it all at once? Life is a constant recalibration of, you know, dial up work a little bit at the moment, okay, down a bit, family, whatever. But the fact that I could have three kids as well as a career, you know, I think it's my proudest achievement. Yeah, amazing. One of the things that I've always looked up to you for, uh, especially with the work that you're doing at the Iconic, is around the inclusion and, and social mm. responsibility. Yeah. Seems like that's a really strong value for you. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I've i said before that I knew coming to the Iconic was going to make me a better business person because I was just going to learn a whole new skill or just, you know, see a pure play from the inside out, not be looking from outside. But I didn't fathom just how much the Iconic was going to influence me as a person and, and just um, really be the kind of making of me from that personal perspective because of all the work we do around environment, all the work we do around people. And, you know, it's not that I had no principles around that stuff before, but there's just something about being with such like-minded people that really stand behind me and push me forward to say, Erica, use your voice more for this sort of stuff and give you that confidence to do that. I just think is, is a really wonderful thing. And yeah, I'm just so fortunate to have had that experience here. Yeah. Oh, and they're incredible initiatives like, the adaptive edits, the yeah. sustainable and ethical sourcing strategy, yeah. reconciliation plan. Yeah. The First Nation fashion design program that yeah. we're doing at the moment to try and, you know, mentor First Nation uh, designers is is going to be my next proudest moment, that's for sure. Tell us about that. How did that well, come about? Well, um, and we, we do a little bit of work with First Nation fashion design, like just trying to understand, you know, what they're doing, who their designers are. And a lot of retailers, just, you know, kind of do this tokenistic thing yeah. of putting some product for sale on the website and, you know, that's as good as it gets, right, or sponsoring their runway show or what have you. But so we did support them in bringing a runway show to life at Fashion Week last year or this year actually, sorry, in, in June or last year by the time you hear this. Um, <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> yeah, so so we did support them at Fashion Week last year. But then um, what I want to look at is also how can we mentor them because, Designing is one thing, but having a financially viable business is another thing altogether. So 
do they need some assistance with cash flow management? And so could I get my CFO and our finance team to help create some cash flow tools or templates for them? Do they know enough about digital marketing? Right, I've got a team of experts in that. Could we actually upskill them there? What about award rates for different pay scales? And could my uh, PNC team actually help them with that? Because we've, you know, learned, learned a thing or two about that. So it's about how we can mentor these people, not just, you know, sell a bit of product. The, the transactional yeah. stuff, yeah, that's great. But, you know, how do we help them have a, a long-term, meaningful, sustainable business? It's incredible. What's the feedback been like so far? Oh, yeah, great. Like, so we're running a program at the moment where three of them will actually get an official program of support. And so the applicants are, are starting to put together their their kind of um, little project overview and why we should be picking them and just seeing all of the work that they're doing is so amazing. Oh, that's awesome. What I also love is with those initiatives, especially the the ethical sourcing strategy and the yeah. reconciliation action plan, is you actually like publish it all online so anyone can read it. And they're not mm-hmm. just kind of blanket statements. No. They're in-depth documents yeah. and strategies on how you're going to make a difference. Yeah. I think it's really important that brands put it out on the line and go, mm. look, we're up for, we're not perfect, mm. but we're up for, yeah. you know, this is what we're trying to do. Um, not trying Pro- to do. Yeah. Progress over perfection. Yeah, and, you exactly. know, you've got to be transparent about this stuff because otherwise people just think you're kind of just, I don't know, painting a rosy picture, but is there actually any substance behind it? And actually some of our shortcomings may be great learning points for the industry overall or for other people where they can go, okay, they've learned that lesson for us. Let's not replicate that. Let's, you know, because really it's not about whether we are first in these things or doing best in these things. If the industry as a whole is not progressing forward, then, you know, it really isn't going to shift the dial much. So, you know, if it's just us. Yeah, love it. All right, I've got one more very important question for you. Oh, How's Parramatta going to go in 2023? Oh, top, of, <laughs> top of the table. Oh, top give of me the a table. break. Well, you know, look, Penrith were were pretty good, like, you know, grand final, like, you know, like they deserve to win that game. But, um, you know, I think we're going to do pretty well next year. Um, I hope yeah. so. I hope so. I couldn't stand another year of the Panthers. An ex-colleague oh. of ours, Chris Wildsmith, if I have to hear him crying about <laughs> the Panthers winning one more time. But, yeah, but anyway, I think so. Oh, well, this is the best time of year when everyone has their hopes up. and um, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking to a Raiders fan, so it's the best time of the year and it's all downhill from here. <laughs> all right. So you mentioned a few things, um, well, a lot of things that you're working on. Uh, what are you most excited about? What's next for yourself and the team at the Iconic for 2023? Yeah, look, we've got a lot of aspirations and plans around our tech product. So, you know, just some of the features that we want to take further or some new sort of things we'd like to launch. Um, really, you know, making that big transition into being a platform business, not just a traditional wholesale sort of business and looking at those different business models, um, you know, that we can offer to different brands. And then, you know, I kind of like to say converting the unconverted. So online penetration in Australia is around 16%. So that basically means 84% of retail sales are happening in physical stores. I want some of that. Like, you know, so, yeah, it's interesting to say, say, oh, well, we've got X percent share of the online market or whatever. So what? I want their business, right? So how do I convert the unconverted and get some of those bricks and mortar customers into our world? So a few little department stores in your sites, eh? Oh, just a couple. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Erica, so if we've got uh, retailers listening to this Mm. and they want to get in touch to understand more about working with the Iconic or, you know, learn more about your story, Mm. what's the best way for them to do so? 
Look, you can find me on LinkedIn or erica.birchtold at theiconic.com.au. Um, shoot me an email and, you know, I will make every attempt to get to that quickly. The best way probably just to leave a, leave a good entertaining NPS score, right? Oh, well, that's actually probably the fastest way because I will definitely <laughs> read that every month. So, Awesome. Erica, thank you so much for joining us on Add to Cart. No worries. Oh, man, what a way to kick off 2023. What a brilliant chat with Erica from The Iconic. Now, if you are in the market for some new threads, head on over to The Iconic, where Erica and the team have generously given us 20% off for Add to Cart listeners. Use the code Add to Cart, all one word, minimum spend of $99. TNCs apply. I feel like a radio announcer now, but 20% off when you use the code Add to Cart. All right. Three lessons that I got from that conversation with Erica. Hard to narrow it down to three, but here goes. Number one, there is gold in the NPS. It actually blew my mind that Erica goes through and reads all of the NPS comments. And don't worry, I've actually tested it. I put a bit of feedback on some of my recent purchases, and I've got to say it was a good experience. But if Erica, the CEO of one of Australia's biggest online retailers, is personally reading customer feedback, you better believe that you should be too. Number two, project-based teams. I have this conversation nearly every day at eSuite. We are not going back to the old way of Officeworks. We have just been rewired forever. There is no going back. But I really liked Erica's approach to the remote versus face-to-face challenge and with her emphasis being around the idea of project work. Be together when you need to work through a project or a problem collaboratively. Work alone when you don't. It seems pretty simple, but it doesn't even need to be a routine or even broken into day by day. Just be where you need to be for the work you are doing. There's a lot of trust involved in that. Number three, the talent collaboration. We heard how much the Iconic relies on internal tech development for their own unique position in market. Tech powers their retail experience, but getting the right talent is always going to be an issue for them. It was music to my ears when Erica talked about the idea of talent swaps It seems like one of those win-win situations for everyone and a great way to share knowledge around in Australia. Can you imagine having someone from the Iconic team working in your business for a short amount of time and the impact that that would have? So if you can help bring this network to life, make sure you reach out to Erica if you think that you can help with the great Australian talent swap. I think it'd be a great thing to bring to life. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to esuitetalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep those customers adding to cart. <laughs>